You're listening to the After The Show Movie Podcast brought to you by ascully.com. And here are your hosts, ascully and Sid Talk. Hello, the world. Hello, the world. Everybody in the world, hello. The whole world is listening. This is new. Did you get some new statistics or something? <laughs> yeah, wow. pretty, pretty The much. world. The world is listening. You should have warned me. I could have learned every language and, you know... Made everybody happy, but no, too late now. I'm not going to do it. What's um, the before the show discussion? Before the after the show discussion? Yes. Variable again. Talking a little bit about my friend's CD that he sent for me to write him a review of, because I'm brutally honest. Maybe you should review it on this podcast and then send him a link. (laughs) I don't think I would take too long. Well, his name is Rocket, Rocket, Kirshner, K-I-R-C-H-N-E-R. So if you want to look him up. K-I-R-C-H-N-E-R. It's more like, uh, how would you describe it? How would I describe it? Like folky music or something? I don't know. It's really not folk. No, it's like currently he's making ambient, almost experimental. He's a bit of a philosopher. He used to be an old, he's old. He's older than me. He's, uh. But it's it's fun to listen to it every single time he makes a new CD. And then I send him my thoughts or my experience with it. So I get a free CD every time, which is nice. Which was nice. Which is nice. But it's uh, not for everyone. I will admit it is not for everyone. There's a little bit of guitar plunking and harp sound and occasionally there's weird like and I don't know what instrument or if he's tapping on a glass or can we can we play some at the end of the uh, sure. show? Sure. Oh yeah, he won't care. <laughs> no, All right, we'll pl- we'll play one of his uh, songs at the end. Oh, well, a little bit. You might drive people away <laughs> from this podcast. No, I mean I like it. Don't get me wrong, but I get it. Like when you listen to it, you're like, ugh, <laughs> you're not into it. That's just not my thing. I, I'm, I'm not dissing the man. I'm it's just very ambient. Away. I'll give you an example of one of my comments. Is that one of them I listen to? And if I close my eyes and listen, it's almost like it makes you think or feel like you're in orbit around the planet. It's kind of hippie. Have you been smoking? Ding dong. Nope. I don't require any (laughs) booze or drugs for this music. So that's how good it is. (laughs) That's a good review, actually. I think so. It's actually just like drugs and you don't need drugs. It's accurate. I don't lie to him. He knows that. I'll tell him, I'll be like, eh, not into this one because it's up your own ass. It's a little too indulgent. You're trying to be something you're not. It just sounds flat. It isn't interesting. I want to skip to the next song. I'll say that because, I mean, I'm not here to please him, right? So where is this musician's website if people want to check it? It doesn't have a website, but you can find it. What kind of musician is this? (laughs) He's the guy. Is he on SoundCloud? Uh, I don't know. I don't know. Just look up. Rocket, as as you would imagine it be spelled, Rocket, R-O-C-K-E-T, Kirshner, K-I-R-C-H-N-E-R. And this is not the Rocket Kirshner podcast, by the way. All right, so moving on, we will play some music at the end. It is, Sid, this is a Sid Talk typing. We'll, well, I'm just doing it for a split second. I'm done. <laughs> it's the typing show. All right, so it's Saturday, October the 20th. Oh, he has a YouTube channel. He does have He YouTube does. Account. He posts a lot of <laughs> random shit. It is kind of bizarre sometimes. Definitely that. go to YouTube and check it out. <laughs> Just don't leave him any nasty comments. He's not going to be up to scrap to go out and, you know, delete them all. Just listen and leave it at that. You don't have to be nasty. It's pretty funny, though. Does you, he even look at his own YouTube channel? You get to know him pretty well, <laughs> I think. All right, so it is Saturday, October the 20th. This is after the show. We're a movie review podcast, not a music review podcast. Correct. And the uh, this is episode 553. The movie we're looking at this week, we review a new release, and it is Ocean's 8. It's a 2018 movie. It's out now on Blu-ray from Warner Brothers, who sent us a copy for review. It's rated PG-13. And Sid Talk will give you the quick synopsis of Ocean's 8. A bunch of women commit a crime. Is there any oceans in it? Is there an ocean? Debbie Ocean. 
Oh, that's yeah. Her name is Ebby Ocean. She's the sister of the other ocean from the other ocean. Ocean's 11, 12, 13. All right. So, um, a bunch of women. I'm sorry. It's not just a generic crime, it's a heist. It is. If you've ever heard of the Oceans movies, you don't need much of a synopsis. All right. So, my, um, uh, one of my favorite types of movies is a heist movie. And I will tell you the reason why I like a heist movie. Because heist movies, all of them pretty much, are kind of ridiculous. It would never go that way in real life. But the way movies portray them, and it's it's like a bunch of people all working together and everything kind of clicks into place. I like watching that happen. It's like a fun thing to watch. Yeah. Um, and it's never kind of realistic. And I know it isn't when I'm watching it, but I just like a group of people who've planned something to such a degree that it's interesting to see how it's going to unravel. Um, recently, I said to you, I have a thing called my cinematic blind spots, where there's movies that have been like big movies that I somehow did not see at the time. And the Oceans trilogy was a movie, I a trilogy of movies that I had not seen until about two months ago. So I watched them all. When I knew Ocean's 8 was coming out, I thought, well, I better know what the other ones are about. So I watched all three of them. I think I said what I thought about them. Mm-hmm. I liked the first one. Second one was the biggest pile of crap I've ever seen. Third one was a mediocre heist movie. And uh, I, I do admire the first one, in a way, even though it is pretty much trying to be too cool for school. And it always comes across that way. But it is fun to watch. So now we're on to Ocean's 8 in 2018. What's the um? What's your um thoughts on this first? What was what did I say before it started? You weren't really into this movie. You didn't really want to watch it. Wasn't looking forward to it. I'm not an Ocean's fan. The first one, you know, like you said, was kind of like da 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 da. We're a new movie. You've never seen anything like it. Kind of interesting. Well, actually, a remake of a. Got over it, and then I wasn't interested. I don't think in any of them, and. I enjoyed this one. When you say you wasn't interested in any of them, you did watch them all, though. I did not watch them all. No, I watched, watched the, the first couple. One. Yeah, yeah. But I didn't watch any more, so that's not all of them. And I, because I wasn't that interested, it just seemed very indulgent. It's one of those things I'm it not a is. fan of. And this one, while it has its indulgences and nods and all that jazz, I really enjoyed it. It's a little bit too, trying to be too cool, just like the first, you know... But overall, I enjoyed the idea, and I thought it was kind of fun. There was lots of little moments when I did laugh. I was never felt like they were in any peril of getting caught or anything, which I think needed to be kind of amped up a little Isn't bit. Isn't that an issue with this movie? That they weren't going to get caught? I f- yeah. I yeah. Found, I found that to be a huge issue. Like, it just, it never, ever felt like anybody was on their tail or anything. Like yeah, that. exactly. Not even insurance guy. Right, yeah, right. Like, in the final act, in fact, further on than the final act, in the last 10 minutes or 15 minutes, they introduce a guy who's kind of on the tail. But even when he turned up, I was like, eh. Um, You know, in the second movie, Catherine Zeta-Jones' character, do you remember her? Uh, barely. She's pretty much a carbon copy of this insurance guy. It's the same kind Mm. of thing. She's kind of on the tail. But even in that movie, I didn't ever feel like she was ever going to catch up with them. And in this movie... Because the idea seems like if you're cool, you're going to get away with it. Yeah, kind of. Um, so while I liked this movie, um, in a it was kind of fun. It didn't have any high stakes to it. I always, like this, spoilers, they're, they're trying to steal a necklace. It's not really a spoiler even, it's, there's a heist, you know that. Trying to steal a necklace, and they steal a necklace. Which is pretty much what happens in the other three movies. There's a thing that they try to steal, and they steal it. That's what a heist is. Yeah. And, but, having just watched those recently, there's always um, a massive hiccup that's added to the heist, and it never goes exactly how you would think it goes in those three movies. Especially in the second movie, where it doesn't actually really go very well at all. It's like a failed heist. So, in this movie, it's literally put... There's never a... There's never a spanner in the works, is there? At all, like, ever. It just goes exactly to plan. Start to finish this movie. 
Pretty much, yeah, that is one of the things about this one, yeah. They make a plan, and at the end, the plan is carried out. In fact, the plan is carried out better than the original plan. Uh, There's never a, oh my god, it didn't work, or, oh, now our characters are not rich, or, you know, it's exactly what it promises at the beginning, which I actually find to be bad in a way, because I do want a swerve in in the thing. I mean, then you can say, oh, of course they have a swerve. And of course they're almost going to get caught. And then in the last minute, they say Yeah, but those are some of the moments of tension that I like in a heist movie. Like, think of, um, it's not a heist movie exactly, but think of Mission Impossible. You know, where he's going down to rob that thing and, and there's all the laser things. And he's, he's being lowered down and, you know, they almost hit it. And you're literally on the edge of your seat going, oh my God, is, this, is he going to do it? Is he gonna, not going to do it? Is this it when it gets caught? You have all that feeling. There is no feeling in this movie. I'd never had a feeling of, oh shit. Even I didn't have a feeling of this, you know, the part where she goes into the toilet to be sick. Yeah. Is, is a really crucial part where this whole thing could fall apart. It never ever felt, even at that point, that it was going to fall apart to me. It just felt, I don't know, that's a problem in a heist movie. Yeah. Because I do think. Like I said to you, I like watching people, you know, do a well-executed plan, and it's really fun to watch. But a lot of the fun from a heist movie is when somebody gets wind of it, or the cops show up, or something, and then they have to solve that problem on the fly. Because this this problem is, like, all worked out, and there's never a spanner in the work, so they never have to think on their feet at any point, like, they just do what they were doing. If one thing happened, like that insurance guy turns up on the night and he's decided he wants to do a big search before the thing. I guess there was one thing. Was there one thing in the movie where you were like, oh, oh, it was the magnet that holds the... Yeah, but that was quickly dispatched, so... Ridiculously. Yeah. <laughs> like, like, Rihanna phones a... Another character that we're never going to get to know ever, ever, ever again. Who apparently can solve that problem in, what, 20 20 minutes? Less than that. (laughs) It was like, boom, boom, we've called her, she's fixed it, we're done. No, that's like, to me, that's like lazy plot. It's like, hey, we got a problem, let's fix it immediately, and then it's not a problem anymore. It's just, you know, it doesn't throw anything in the works. So there's my problems with it. It looks the part, you know, it looks expensive, like this kind of heist does, it's supposed to, takes place during like a fashion thing, which is interesting, I thought. Not really. Not to me. I mean, I liked it because it wasn't like the other oceans things, where one was in a museum, one was in a casino. Yeah, but the way we've commented that so many movies, particularly Miramax, start with the zooming in helicopter shot of the city at night with the lights or in the city of the daytime, scooting over the water, we're like, oh, how many movies do that? So many movies do a gala, gala, whatever, with high fashion and like... um yeah, Bond Cameo spots, yeah. And that's really boring. Unless there's something really weird about it. I mean, even Eyes Wide Shut tries to do it really weird with their weird ball or whatever the hell it was. So, to me, that the thing that let down the movie was the actual heist itself, what they wanted. And then the, the thing of it, the plan I liked, layered on top. But I wished that was like, ah, it's so boring to see people in like... And then, like, kissing people's ass about, you know, oh, it's Leo, and it's Heidi, whatever her name is, and, you know, yeah, fashion I mean, yeah, people. They throw, and they throw in a lot of Yeah, and I'm not, I don't think that adds anything, but, you know. they try they, In the second Oceans movie, they did that with, it was actually more cleverly done than this, but, like, <laughs> I actually, I actually kind of really like that in the second Oceans movie, where... Danny Ocean's wife, they cotton on that she kind of looks like Julia Roberts. I mean, not kind of looks like, really looks like, because she is her, right? <laughs> but in the, in, the, in the movie, she's not. So, but they, they use her as a Julia Roberts stand-in to, you know, do this heist. I kind of liked that idea in that movie. I thought it was really fun. And then they threw in a big thing, a big wrench in the works, that in the same hotel... Um, what's he called? Bruce Willis is staying there and he recognizes Julia Roberts and 
now he wants to socialize with her and she doesn't even know who he is really. So that actually throws a spanner in the works. This movie doesn't, does it? These celebrities are completely, it doesn't matter. That no, they're there. no. It, n- nobody recognizes anybody. So it's not, it's not like it, I thought that there was going to be a big spanner in the works because they were in a place where everybody knows people. But no, it never happens here. And the plot, the plots, the heist is not super clever. Don't you think? It's not... Well, it's got lots of components. You know, they're not going to the prize. They're having the prize brought to them, and then in a second place have to get it, you know, and move it on. So that was a little bit of it. They're not actually getting into the vault. Right. You know. Now, I I enjoyed watching it take place. Um, One thing I know about whether I enjoyed a movie or not is whether I felt like it dragged... And this didn't. It really went by very quickly. So I must have been very involved in what was happening on the screen, right? Yeah. Like, it did feel brisk, didn't it? Like, oh, wow, are we at the end already? Yeah, but that's why I think I enjoyed it. Because I wasn't picking it apart too much. I mean, I had the things like, well, like, you know, um, a couple of the characters were just a little too cardboard cut out for me. Not just a couple. I had to get over that, you know? I think all of them were fairly... Not all of them, but a couple were hardcore. I was like, oh my god, no wonder. And when the guy who wrote it talks about it, he's idolizing this idea of these characters instead of like them as people. And I mean, we can't... The reason that is, is if you go and watch Oceans, the original Oceans 11, it's lit, it's a load of famous faces hamming it up, basically. It's, it's, it's kind of a plate. I felt like it was like a playground for famous, yeah, rich film stars to have fun in the in the movie that didn't really require a ton of ton from them, dramatic wise, because it doesn't. There's not much dramatic, nowhere to stretch or anything. It's just you know, there's there's Sandra Bullock. In fact, did you not feel about that in this movie? I don't think there's Debbie Ocean. I think there's Sandra Bullock. Absolutely, and there's Kate Blanchett. Absolutely, one hundred percent. Which. I also felt in the other movies, uh, that that's not Danny Ocean, that's George Clooney. And like I didn't it's... know Blondie's name. I knew, I know I'd seen her before, but I hated her hair. It was like super yellow and weird, like it was a You mean plastic... Sarah Paulson? Yeah, and I hated Rihanna's hair because it was just this... Fake kind of... You no, know, I mean, I don't know if it looked fake, but to me it was like, I don't know if you're trying to make this character who's a hacker, genius woman, would... Let that be an issue. She's like, like her hair seems to be high maintenance with the dreads and the thing with the dreads. And then it's constantly, I feel like, I don't know, it seemed like really off. And then the blondie with the yellow weird hair, it was just too much. Uh, Rihanna's character, you know, you know, Ubisoft's game, Watch Dogs that I play, the the hacking game, like they're all hackers. She looks like a character that stepped out of Watch Dogs, <laughs> an activist and a hacker. And she's got a hole in her jeans and... She's got, like, graffiti sprayed on her and jacket. And the rest of her is fine. She's just casual. She's just tattoos and jewelry and everything. It's just that hair seemed incongruous. Incongruous? Yeah, it didn't seem With how necessary. her character would have become so clever and so educated on what she's doing and be able to maintain that hair. It just seemed like somebody, again, someone's idealized version of what this cool hacker chick would be like instead of this grown woman who's really smart. Yeah. You know, she's casual, she's cool, let's add some hair to her because she's from Jamaica and we're supposed to, she has to have dreads. I don't know. I don't think that's a requirement. And look at her on the front cover of this movie. She's even got the hat. You know, she has that hat during the, it's it's very caricature, kind of. It is, unfortunately, at least for this character. That's the only thing that, you know, I would pick on it about. And the blondie, I just don't get the weird, almost like she's a... Barbie doll with the old-fashioned hard plastic hair, and it's really <laughs> yellow, like she's been around somebody smoking 24 hours a day, and had a weird color and weird solidness to it. I don't, um, the thing is, I, I kind of enjoyed it as it was playing out, uh, and I, f- I feel that I also felt the same for the Oceans movies, but then after they finished, I was like, they're not, they don't hold up to repeated watching, obviously, once you know what happens, I don't think. Agree. Uh, I feel like once you know the score, then it's not as interesting. <laughs> it's actually, the only interesting thing is to see how it actually happens. Um, and this movie, while interesting, while you're watching, I don't 
feel like there's much substance at the end. They even, you know, that end sequence of her, I won't spoil it, whatever, what she's doing at the end there is setting up another movie. Yeah. Um, Which that, I don't care about. No, no, but, you know, I'll probably, like the others, end up watching the sequels as well and there'll be some more heists and I'll know what I'm in for and that's what will happen for 90 minutes and then you'll be move on, right? That's how it feels. So it's a very weird one for me because I love heist movies. The Oceans movies are not my favorite heist movies. They it's empty be, calories. You know, it doesn't stick in your mind, but it's fun while it yeah. lasts. And then right afterwards, you want something more substantial. That's what I say. I love heist movies. Those Oceans movies are definitely not my favorite heist movies. I know they are some people's. They might be my least favorite heist movies. That is how I feel about them. But this one, it doesn't do anything to change this genre up or, you know, there's no surprises. I don't feel that there was any surprises. I was never like, wow, even there is kind of a sting in the tail. That was nothing, was it? You know? No. It was just like, oh, okay. (laughs) So what? (laughs) Um, You know. And it all revolves around the cast, I guess, which we're going to go into now. The, The whole thing lives or dies by this cast. I disagree. I think the whole thing lives or dies by the story. Right. So the Sandra cast Bullock is irrelevant to plays me in this one. Debbie Ocean. She is the sister of George Clooney's character in the other movies, who conveniently is never mentioned in those other movies. So uh she's an afterthought sister. <laughs> <laughs> um But like I said, maybe she's not his sister. Yeah, maybe she's a con woman. Maybe that's the con. Yeah. She's that, conning all of us. That she stole his watch, because she does wear his watch. That's the that's the link to him. And, you know, in this movie, it's pretty much met right up front. Danny Ocean is deceased in 2018, and she is getting out of prison with the exact same... That sequence at the beginning where she's getting out of prison is the opening sequence to the first Ocean's, right. movie, Ocean's Eleven, but a female version of it. Clooney's getting out of jail and he's wondering what he's going to do next and somebody's asking him what he's going to do next. It's the same scene, basically. Um, So, yeah, he's... What do you think of Sandra Bullock is my point? I like her. I thought she was fine. And she's very she's very controlled, but there's no, there's no variations to this character whatsoever. There's no rise and fall. There's no middle ground. There's no... Connecting with her on anything except her singular plan to do... That's what that's where she's sort of cardboard cut out. You know, like you'd buy her as a cardboard cut out sticker over there in the corner. And you're like, yep, that's that character. <laughs> that's it. That's all there is to it. Yeah. And the plan, there the was nothing plan. else. There was no crumble. There was no, like, exceedingly excitement. It was just even nope. keel, which was good. She did it well, but they didn't write it in a way that gave her a lot of, like, you know, she didn't have that moment where she broke down crying in the shower alone or where she went behind a door and, like, fell apart or we had nobody off to the side or she could go and be the other version of herself, which isn't this, like, well, hell-bent um, on revenge and whatnot. If if what they're going for was exactly the character of Danny Ocean in um, the other movies, no emotion... Sticks to the plot, sticks to the job. She did exactly what... I mean, that's why they're so uninteresting, these movies. Because there's nothing to any of these people except for the one character trait that they offer up to us. There's the shyster girl who does the three-card Monty on the street. There's the hacker woman. There's the, you know, the cool woman who owns the bar, Kate Blanchett. There's that one thing about each of them, the and there's nothing else. And that's what makes it less interesting. Yeah, and, and... But still fun. Sandra Bullock pretty much was playing George Clooney's character, but in female version. That's all she was. She was very cool. She was very calm and collected, never got stressed out. She just did the robbery. And she never was stressed out. She would never... Mm-mm. Her heart rate wasn't racing, nothing. She was just, I'm cool, I'm in a dress, I'm walking about, this thing's going to happen. And that's... Exactly what Clooney did. So I guess they were modeling it on Clooney, so that was it. Kate Blanchett plays Lou, and I said to you during the movie, she's just the coolest person in it. I disagree. On Earth. <laughs> I think you're very conned. <laughs> you're easily and conned. I was actually, no, I was actually joking by... I said she thinks she is, yeah, this character. My, my, I was joking by, like, the way they set the character up. She owns this nightclub. She's just so cool. 
She's always dressed really cool. She walks cool. She does the movements like she's <laughs> trying to be an ex-rock and roller or something. Like yeah. a sort of overtly doing it, which doesn't feel supernatural. No. It's all... It's too... It's not a real person. It's too manufactured. But none of them are. No. That's the thing. So maybe that's the fun of it. Yeah. Is that you'll never be those people. But I do like Kate Blanchett. And, uh... But again, she did exactly the same thing that Sandra Bullock did. She had no emotion. She just did the thing. And they were a little too cozy with each other. That's that self-indulgent thing that the director and writer guy is sitting there going, Oh my God, I have Sandra Bullock and Kate Blanchett sitting at a table eating food. And they're like semi-coy with each other and a little too intimate like as friends. And they're doing this really weird vibe. <gasps> I'm going to let him do it. When it doesn't really... Do you mean like Clooney and Brad Pitt in the original movie? I don't remember them. They're exactly like that. Where she's like feeding her food and she's eating off her plate I mean, and she's like too... I mean, the thing, yeah, exactly like yeah. that. And the thing is, Bullock and Blanchett are Brad Pitt and Clooney. I mean, it's the same relationship. It's just the same thing. So, you know, the people who made this movie look very closely at those other movies and tried to bring the essence of it in here, right? You could tell that that's what they were doing. I mean, you maybe not as much because you don't, you're not as intimately know the other movies, right? I mean, I've literally just watched them. So, Anne Hathaway plays Daphne Kluger. I really liked Anne I Hathaway. I did, yeah. She was one of my favorite things. Because she's really o- over the top. Like, it's. Yeah. It's silly almost, like a cartoon character. And it kind of it works, though, because it's, you know, there's some, some events happen and it kind of changes some stuff up. But I think it works the way she is because you know when when they were all walking into this Vogue thing and there was re, there was quite clearly real interviewers and real Vogue people and I said to you oh god how pretentious does this world seem <laughs> yeah well she fits exactly her into character that. fits yeah, yeah. Uh, Mindy Kaling plays Amita you might know her from the American Office she's also done the Mindy Project they didn't give her much they did to not. do. I mean, you understand she's an expert in, like, the diamond cutting, diamond grading, and jewelry making. You know, and dealing. Diamond dealing. Mm Because she runs a shop that apparently her father used to run. It's so brief, though. It is. And she doesn't get enough to be a whole, not even a cardboard cutout. (laughs) No, she's just a tool because they need somebody to take this necklace apart. (laughs) Yeah. that's it. She does a good job. Yeah. I like her. I'm compelled by her. Because there are moments like when she's with Helen Bonham, Helena Bonham Carter, and she's trying to be the straight one because <laughs> Helen Bo- Helena and is kind of wacky, yeah. and she's really holding it together in that comedic way. I love that. I think she's great. It's yeah. just that they didn't. There wasn't enough of her or the three card Monty lady. No, um, Sarah Paulson plays Tammy. I, I like Sarah yeah. Paulson quite a lot. Uh, you didn't like her hair in this. <laughs> yeah, her hair just dragged to me, unfortunately, but I liked her, um, the idea of her character. Yeah, I, I did like her character. Her character felt more the most realistic out of all of them. Like, she used to be like a wheeler dealer, like getting stolen goods and selling them fence. She's a fence, like a high-level fence, but now she's a soccer mom in the suburbs with the garage full of what? We're supposed to assume our stolen, stolen goods, goods that she tells her husband she just does eBay a lot, but she has like a whole truck full of like blenders sitting in the garage. And a whole wall of mountain bikes. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> so she's got, she's got it in her to do both. And she's yeah. hyper, like super organized. So she felt realistic to me. That was the difference between her and all the other ones. Helena Bonham Carter, who I thought was awesome in this movie. Yeah, I mean, because it is just silly. But she's not ever very different. Obviously, in King's Speech, she was, but if you really, you know... I mean, the because she was this... Fa- they made her this fashion designer, and who's kind of a bit... You, what's the Vivian Westwood type yeah. fashion designer? A little bit wacky and a little bit, you know... All she wants to do is design clothes, but she's failing. She did. She's off track with the trends. She's broke. She owes the IRS money. She's vulnerable. She's got no intention of being a criminal. No. All she wants to do is design clothes and sort of be left alone. So I think that's what gives her the charm. She's not driven like these other women. She's she just sort of really going know along. What, what's no. going on? She's like, oh, what? Like they just kind of give her a part, and she's kind of like, oh, okay, and just go along with it. Like, but she's very funny. I said to you, like, she's. I actually- loved how 
She's actually what? Funny without opening her mouth, just like when she walks. Yes, like, like when they're telling her about the necklace without telling her the plan, and she looks up, and then she looks at it again, and her mind, you know, she's realizing what they're telling her yeah. without the... And then she's like, oh, she makes like a funny face, and I think it's all right there in that expression of hers. Yeah, I really liked her. She played the Rose Wheel. Um, Rihanna plays Nine Ball. Like I said, I didn't like this. I like Rihanna. I didn't like this character. Oh, I like the character. I, I thought she was fine, because I feel like she... It wasn't like this... Let's be honest. We always do this with hacker characters, Bogus right? Hacker characters. They know everything. They everything. can literally turn your power off in your house, which is what she does. Which is like, uh, I'm not doubting that some people could do that, but can we ever just have like an aspiring hacker who kind of fucks things up every once in a while? And they're like, I don't know. This is going to take me a month. I have to learn this whole coding language. This woman's what thirty, thirty-five, yeah, maybe all less. I don't know how old Rihanna is, but... 25, maybe. I felt like she knows a lot, which is awesome, and yet it's seamless. There is no doubt. There is no failure. There is no moment when she goes, even I can't do that. But that's the whole movie. True. Also. (laughs) There's no failure in the plot, right? It's just a driven... It's like... It's just that. There's a plan. Yeah, Sandra Bullock asks the jewelry lady... How long would it take you to make seven pieces of jewelry out of one piece of jewelry without telling her anything else, what yeah. size it is? And she's like, five hours or less. Yeah. And you're like, do you even know like, what she's done? <laughs> and, you know, there's silly things as well. Like, if you wear these special glasses and look at this um, jewelry for a while, then we'll just use this 3D printer to print out an exact replica of the jewelry. It's like... Well, we know that you can have a small camera that does 3D Yeah, but this takes, this takes about 30 minutes to do Correct. that. Correct. <laughs> well, that took about one minute. <laughs> yeah, I mean, for the thing to print out, they're like, da-da, there's the thing. So, you know, you have to check your brain at the door a little bit uh, with the actual scenarios that are going down. And finally, Aquafina plays Constance. What do you think of her? She was all right. Same. I mean, I'd be interested to see her do something else. And like you said, she's in... Crazy Rich Asians. Yeah. And she's probably been see. in something else that I haven't seen, but I liked her. I like the idea of her character too, but again, the walking and the attitude is a little bit too slick for... And But if you combine them all, I think that's why... I found her quite funny when she was being the waiter. Yeah. <laughs> just uh, just how how committed she was to doing it. like <laughs> Exactly. Know? So yeah, I did, I did kind of like her. I would... Uh, you're right. I would like to see her in something else. Yes. Because she didn't have much to say or do, really. Her skill was bigger than her character, just like the jewelry woman. Yeah. This is directed by Gary Ross. And you'll know Gary Ross... Well, probably the biggest movie he directed was the first Hunger Games movie. He also did Seabiscuit and Pleasantville. I love Pleasantville, by the way. Awesome you did. Movie. Yeah, really, really awesome movie. Very, very different and not... I don't think there's... Even now, there's nothing kind of like that movie. It was just so different. Um, and that was uh, what she called from um, Ozark. Ozark? It, yeah. The mom Laura Linney? O- yeah, she was in Pleasantville. She was really good in it. Was it Laura Linney or was that other lady? I think that was Joan something. Wasn't it Laura Linney in Pleasantville? I think it was uh, Joan something. Let me look. Yeah, please look that up. So, um, yeah, Dar- Gary Ross... My problem I had with Gary Ross and the first Hunger Games, go back and watch all of those Hunger Games movies. He directed the first one, and the first one is super shaky cam, and then they got rid of him and didn't use shaky cam anymore. Mm. He didn't do that here. It's very slick, this movie. Um, there's no shaky cam. Joan Allen. Joan Allen is who I'm talking about. Laura Linney is Love Actually. Yes. Yes, you're one of your faves. All right, so... Laura Linney was not good in Pleasantville. But you liked her in Love Actually. I did. I thought her character was a little whiny, but you know. <laughs> Blasphemy, I know. I'm not supposed to say anything bad about Love Actually. No, ever. it's all good. <laughs> um, so You're such a hopeless romantic. It's oh, I don't know where you got that. <laughs> not from me. As yeah. your wife. So um, Gary Ross, um, I think, did a good job of this movie. I mean, it looks awesome. It's it's very slick. Yeah. I mean, he did write it too with that lady. I, I wouldn't give the writing like 10 out of 10 or anything like that, but I actually think the movie, it, it matches what the other movies are. It fits. You know, he does that, the very, you know, 
you might say it's trite or whatever, the thing where it splits the screen into yep. like a lot of pieces. But that's the Oceans thing. I mean, it's not, it wasn't invented with the Oceans movies. It was done a lot in 60s movies. But uh, I can see what they were going for. But as far as it, the way it looks and feels, it felt like an Oceans movie to me. So, you know, I think he did a good job with it. He obviously, from watching the extras too, he obviously like, likes or loves the original movies, right? Yeah. And you actually saw Steven Soderbergh on the set, like, with him, helping him, because Steven Soderbergh's trilogy, and uh, he's passed it over to this guy. But um, there are some extras on the disc. There are. Let me have a look here. A heist in heels. These are little featurettes. Ocean's Team 3.0. Reimagining the Met Gala and some deleted scenes. That's it. There's no commentary. Um, Pretty well-made extras. Nothing out of the ordinary. But you know what I did appreciate on on these extras? Sandra Bullock was actually talking about everybody instead of being aloof or... Mm-hmm. She was just like, "This is what the this is what the set was like, and these are the people I got on with, and here are some funny stories from the set." So that was cool. So, um, what's your overall on Ocean's Eight? I had a good time. Would you give it? It overruled my Ocean's initial eight out of ten. <laughs> <laughs> no, in the Ocean's world, <laughs> are we comparing it to all the other Ocean's movies, but no, I, I mean, I give I'll give it a seven out of ten for fun, not for quality. Yeah. But for what it is and the experience of watching it, having a good time, that moves it up in the rank for me. And I would say, like, if I sat down and thought about it a lot afterwards, it, it would probably all fall apart and I'd be like, what the hell did I just watch? But during the viewing, it was very brisk. It just breezed by. I was into the heist. There were, like I said, no surprises at all. Nothing, not even a twist or a sting or anything really for me. Not what they tried to do at the end there didn't even register. I wasn't like, oh, which they actually do in the other movies. There's kind of a bit of a a part where you go, oh. they do. You know the guy. I'm not going to spoil this, but I'll wait. I'll signal to you. You know the guy. Yep. That's a nod to the movies that you kind of. I was kind of like, oh, I didn't expect that. But, but I, it was lost on me. Yeah, it would remember. be lost if you don't know the other movies. Something does happen that's related to the other movies. Um, so I, yeah, I enjoyed it, but it felt like an empty movie to me. Empty calories, like you say. Yeah. Like in two days' time, I will be. It will be gone out of my mind. <laughs> but I had fun. But watching. you remember the other oceans movies? Uh, yeah, you know why? Because I remember the first one being pr- pretty alright, and I remember the second one being... You know, I remember the second one because it was so bad. Like, that's why I remember it. You pretty much remember really bad movies and really good movies, but a movie like this one, that's right in the middle of all, of, all that, you kind of forget. Don't you agree? Yes. So I'm not dissing it. I'm just saying I had fun with it. But I'm not, like, hanging on, like, oh, God, I can't wait till Ocean's 9 comes out. Are you? I wasn't waiting for Ocean's 8. No. Ocean's <laughs> so 8 no. didn't didn't make you think. Nope. Oh, oh I can't wait for Ocean's 8. <laughs> no. All right. Or, jeez, I wish I'd seen Ocean's 7 through 1. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> one through seven. No. Or 11 through whatever. So, uh, thank you for to Warner for providing us with a copy for review. This, this um, week is all about the number 8, because next week's movie review is 8th grade. See that link? Great. So we're going to review the movie 8th grade next week. Ocean's 8 and then 8th grade. So movie recommendations, I am going with... I'm going with the first Ocean's 11 movie because I do think that is a good movie. I, I think it went progressively downhill, 12 and 13. As, mm-hmm. So you can pretty much ignore 12 and 13, I think. But 11 definitely has something about it. It did feel fun and kind of cool in a... Oh, look, they're trying to be really cool way. And my other one is a movie that we've seen very recently, and it is like my, it's my favorite heist movie of quite some time, and it's called American Animals. It's based on a real life heist, and it's not exactly the kind of heist you're thinking of. It's not a glitzy. Gl- in fact, in American Animals, they do a rip off of Ocean's Eleven, where it's kind of like a dream sequence where it all goes right, and then when the real heist happens, it's not quite so smooth. Do you remember that? Yeah, of so, course. Yeah, American Animals is 
a fantastic heist movie, and it's very different to the way it is done. Is not like anything else I've seen. So that's my recommendations. Yours are? Mine are, because I'm in Halloween slash scary mode. One of these isn't necessarily scary, but um, one of them is Ravenous. And no, it's not the one with Begbie in it from a long time ago about the Donner Party-esque type of situation. It is a French-Canadian in French. So yes, you have to read subtitles, but it's a... Well, just if you little, can't read, <laughs> if you can't read, you can just watch it and you'll know what's going on. Um, I'll just tell you right off the bat: I'm a zombie movie fan, or whatever you want to call it, Walking Dead slash Living Dead slash Zombie slash Rotters, whatever people call them in all the different movies when they don't want to call them zombies. I love all those movies pretty much, even if they're really horrible. Ravenous happened to be really good. It's kind of it's quiet and it's. There's no, you know, I've, I'm always looking for like how this zombie thing happened and how is somebody in the world fixing it. But this one is just a slice of time of people trying to survive, but not like Walking Dead kind of survival or Fear the Walking Dead. But they're just kind of like, you don't really know how long it's been or anything. It's just, and they're the kind of um, zombies that are from like 28 Days Later. They're not the rambly little... Uh, they're the fast like, movers. Ah! They scream and they run and they're violent and you know so that's a little bit like creepy and so ravenous, the French Canadian ravenous, and then the other one is Pandora, which is Korean again to read the subtitles and to be fair, Korean is very seems like a very fast moving language and there are times when they say a lot and the subtitle isn't on there very long and I had to get in a rhythm where you have to be eyeballing what's on the screen and reading the whole thing. And it goes pretty quickly because it's, this is more of a, it's like the tagline or whatever on Netflix is, you know, they don't know what they've unleashed on humanity. Well, it's actually about a nuclear plant and the potential of the, a nuclear cloud sort of like, because if a meltdown happens, but it's real, it's really emotional. I cried like through half of it, the latter half of it is cried the whole time. And, but it's really action packed and it's, it's really well done. I'd say if you like Korean movies <laughs> with lots of action and crying, you'd like Pandora. All right. Talking of uh, Netflix, um, just before we move on here, uh, we've been watching Iron Fist season two, which Conveniently got cancelled just as we started watching it. <laughs> um, what? How do you feel about Iron Fist season two? Um, I like it. I we're not. Said, we're not at the end yet. I understand why it's not at the top of the viewer list. Also, with the whole Disney Netflix thing, it's kind of obvious why they wouldn't want to invest millions of dollars to make another season um, when Disney's just going to take it away from them. But I understand why it's not the popular one. It is. It's got a very different vibe. It's more... I don't know. I mean, how would you describe it? Well, Luke Cage also has been cancelled this week. And Luke Cage has its very own vibe as well. Yeah, very it's, specific. It's very Harlem. And it's very... Like, it has a lot of rap music and music performances and stuff. Whereas this one is like a kung fu kind of uh, vibe. To be fair, it does not have many performances. It has like two minutes of music on most... Maybe not even most of the episodes. So whoever complains about that is full on Luke Cage. Yeah. I mean, I like those. I like. The I know, but it's very small because it adds to the vibe of it. But it's very tiny. It's like right. the opening of a show, and they play a song, and then while they're playing the song, they show you action that's happening in the story. Yeah. So whoever complains, which I like a lot in that show. I'm pointing this at GBD, idiot, about this. It's like, are you kidding me? Like they play a really groovy song. It's set in a nightclub. <laughs> the characters are there doing something, and the music is part of it. Yeah. It's part of the vibe. So it's not a that's not a negative. And it really gives you the feeling of that place. Absolutely. Like, um, that's what I like about that. And this movie, this uh, Iron Fist, is a it's in the same city, but it's you know it's based around like you know triads and the hand. Yeah, it's a know. little more you know if you don't care about that. Yeah, it's like, you know, it's Asian-inspired mafia slash supernatural stuff. 
which gives it its own feel too, which I kind of like. I, I actually think the second season is much better than the yeah, first Yeah, I do one. too. I feel like the guy who plays Danny Rand has actually figured the character out. Yeah, he's, he's gotten more, way better. Yeah, he's more... He, he seemed... Well, the whole thing in the second season is he's not like the... you know Well, the same as the first one, really, but he's more in tune with the city, but he's not actually living the billionaire lifestyle. See he's this, to- yeah, the city thing, though, I think is the thing that might make it less interesting because after we've had the whole Thanos Marvel world where entire universe, entire galaxies, entire planets and planetary systems are at threat, all of these shows are in New York City. There is no other outside threat. There is no other... It doesn't appear anyone else is in danger. They might say, oh, if the hand takes over, you know, they will they will decimate humanity or enslave humanity. But you don't get that vibe. No. Because you're only ever in the city. Now, it's a fantastic series of shows that give you that grit and the guts, I think, of the city. I've never been there, but I feel like it represents, especially this one. Yeah, it does. Iron Fist really gives you, it doesn't glamorize it or shine it up. I mean, if you're in a warehouse, you're in a warehouse. You see the grungy floor, you see the pipes and everything, not in that slick kind of way. Yeah. But I feel like if some people have moved to the whole movie Marvel series, you know, the threat of New York City seems a lot less intriguing, maybe. Yeah. Not to me, because I kind of see. I'm it. talking about the why it's not. Yeah. It's not like people are like millions of people are flocking to it, and why they would cancel yeah. it without. That's why. Part of the reason why I think. But a lot of the reason of uh, Iron Fist is people don't like the character Iron Fist. I've been reading like they just don't like it. They just think it's really kind of bland. Just this bland character. And I can see yeah, the thing I have about Samantha Stevens. You know, I've said it before from Bewitched. Oh, she has magical powers. She can make anything happen. But nope. She doesn't want to use them, and her husband doesn't want her to use them because she just wants to be a normal housewife. And I'm, I always thought when I was a kid, are you kidding me? Yeah. <laughs> you could literally have anything. And so you, that's how you feel you know about Danny. Did, you know why she didn't want to use them? Because the budget of the show didn't allow it. <laughs> oh, no, she always ended up doing it. Right. That's the thing, though. She had to end up doing it. Yeah, but not as much To as save she the day. But I always had that. So with Danny, it's the same. You are a billionaire. Just constantly be the billionaire. <laughs> but then he might be a bit too obnoxious. Right? Yeah. Um, I really love uh, the Walker character in this. Uh, there's always an interesting character in these Netflix shows. And I think Walker is the one in this one, not Davos. Walker. Yeah, definitely. And it's obviously like an origin of hers that we're seeing. And we're going to see her come into... She might even appear across the other shows. Who knows? But, um, yeah, next we'll be watching Daredevil, because Daredevil Season 3 was also released this week. So, um, I love the Marvel shows. I don't care what people say about them. <laughs> I like it. They'll cancel them, and I'll watch the next ones that they put up, whatever it'll be. It might be a different character. Maybe it's good that they cancel Luke Cage and Iron Fist, because we get two new characters or something, you know? Because how many characters do Marvel have? They have literally thousands and thousands of them that they can bring to the screen. So, yeah, that's um, stuff, movie recommendations and stuff. Hey, Scully stuff, I've just been playing lots more Assassin's Creed Odyssey. It is fantastic. I would give the game 9 or 10 out of 10. I think it is the best Assassin's Creed game they've ever made. I'm still only about 39% complete, and I play it every day. And sometimes I spend like two or three hours playing it. It's a fantastic game. I can't wait to see what they do next with Assassin's Creed because it's just been slowly building and building and building and it seems to me they've just about figured out what Assassin's Creed games are. So, get get it. It's silly not to. Another big game that's coming out, and I'm talking like huge, this Friday coming up, Rockstar's Red Dead Redemption mm-hmm. 2. A Rockstar game is not just a game for me, it's like an event, always. When a GTA game comes out, or a Red Dead Redemption Now game, I think Rockstar are above and beyond any other developer in terms of detail and like new gameplay elements that they add. You know, Red Dead Redemption was a fantastic game. It's so long ago now, though, I barely remember it. I just remember what happened at the end, and that's kind of what sticks in my mind. But 
it's ridiculous, Red Dead Redemption 2. I've seen the trailer for it this week and all the gameplay elements that they t- they're promising. It's so detailed and it's crazy. It's hard to believe it's a week away. Because um, you know me, I'm a massive Rockstar fan. Always have been. GTA's yep. series is right at the top of my favorite video games of all time, easily. And Red Dead Redemption is GTA, but in the Wild West. So... It's coming out this Friday, coming up. I'll let you know what it's like. I'm sure it. Rockstar have never, ever let me down in any way. I've always loved their games, so I can't see it being bad. So what's for dinner? Tonight we're going to have eggs and beans and toast and potatoes. That sounds very good, and I'm very hungry, so that sounds Excellent. Great. And what is your uh, advice? I don't... There I, is no advice on I this I don't sheet. know. Why did you I'm, remove it completely? I didn't remove it completely. Look, there's not even a place where it goes. Hmm. That's where it's supposed to go. Is where it says Sid talk, but now supper is gone. What's for dinner? Oh, I see. Yeah, Sid talk. You put it in the wrong. Yeah. I, yeah. <laughs> my advice is to have <laughs> eggs, beans, and potatoes for yeah, supper. Yeah, that's your advice. I don't know. Everybody I'm, out there, eat. I'm running out of wisdom. It's like no, my brain is drying out of up. Come on. I don't know what else except. Um. Hmm. I would go in the words of the great... No, you can't copy. No, this is mine. No, in it the words of the great Bill and, Ted's, Bill and Ted's Excellent Adventure, be excellent to each other. See, that's not you. You're using someone else's quote. That's my quote. That's not your quote. That's me quoting Bill S. Preston Esquire. <sighs> you don't understand how advice works. <laughs> <laughs> um, I just don't. I think just uh, don't be an asshole. Is that from anywhere? I, I believe that one has been used before. <laughs> well, we can't name who said it first, so I'm just going to no, say. I think you've said it before on this don't show. Don't be an asshole. You All can right. have one. You can even have two, if that's how nature planned it. But just don't be one. Is there somebody with two? <laughs> There's got to be in the world. And all of the hundreds of billions of people who have ever lived? Probably. That'd be cool. It would not be cool. Oh, my God. You're gross. That's gross. Uh, I just... I don't, no, I don't want to actually tell you what I was thinking about. Yeah, please don't. That's why I'm saying. I know that you're being <laughs> gross. <laughs> All right. So um, check out our website, saysculley.com and sidtalk.com. You can catch us on Twitter and Facebook. Catch this podcast on the Google Play Music Store, the iTunes Music Store. Catch it on uh, TuneIn. Just say to your Amazon device... Um, Listen to the After the Show movie podcast on TuneIn. It will play you the latest episode. We're also on YouTube. And email feedback to me at aschoolyatascoolyat.com. Don't email Sid Talk. And stay classy. Um, the Oceans movies. We're going to see more of these Oceans movies, right? Do we have to? I mean, I had fun, I mean, but don't force me. I believe we will see. <laughs> and I'm going to say, think for yourself. Because if you don't, someone will do it for you. 